Welcome to Sprinkle Hope Podcast with your host, Jason. We are so happy to be here today. Really, this is a jam-packed full episode. Uh, we talk a lot of, uh, about some difficult subjects that um, could touch people in a certain way. And we talk about the awesome subject of hope and love, which we love to discuss. Um, but really, you know, just just take a listen. This is a great episode. This special guest that we have, her name is Trisha Zodi. Uh, she lets you know you're not alone. You can change the way that you think. And just all around, such a great spirit about her. There, There is some fantastic insight. So we hope you listen in and get some great uh, things that you can change with your life. Welcome to the Sprinkled with Hope podcast. Welcome to Sprinkle with Hope podcast. Today we have an awesome guest with us, Trisha Zodi. Thank you so much for joining us today, Trisha. Oh, it is my pleasure. I love your podcast and it, it's really a privilege to be a part of Sprinkle with Hope. And we did not, for the record, tell <laughs> Trisha to say that. That was all on her own. So I'll send you Venmo so much later. for saying that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we're, we're so glad that you've joined us. Would you mind just kind of giving us a, a little bit of a background on yourself and kind of, you know, where you come from and, uh, you know, just so our audience can get to know you a little bit more. Sure. Well, I really, I really think I'm just like a normal person. I mean, I don't think there's anything super extraordinary about me, um, but uh, I'm privileged to be able to have a story that I feel like um, can encourage other people. Um, it's a hard story, but it's a story that, um, should not be uh, left out there in vain. Um, we're going like, to use it for a good redemptive story. We're going to use it for um, for uh, hope and healing for people of all ages and all uh, situations. Um, but the the labels, if you want to put labels on me, I am uh, I am a worship leader. I'm a speaker. I'm a podcaster. Uh, I am a uh, I work for a nonprofit organization called Young Lives, which is a, a ministry affiliate of Young Life. Um, and we minister to pregnant and parenting teen girls, the girls that are in high school. Um, and that's, a, that's an enormous privilege um, to get to do that. I am a mother of three young adults um, and I am a recent widow. I was married to my college sweetheart for almost 30 years. Um, and yeah, it's even strange now to, to say that. I don't get used to, even though it's been three years ago, I don't get used to calling myself a widow uh, for sure. But, um, you know, I, I am not those things. You can label me those things, but that's not who I am. So I'm, I'm hoping that throughout this podcast, your listeners can get a, an idea of who Trisha Zodi is on the inside, because that's most important, right? Yeah, it absolutely. absolutely. Is. Yeah. You know, just in talking to you before we started recording, I get this feeling and I know Jason would agree that you're a very humble and kind and sincere person. 
So we really appreciate you joining us. Um, you know, some things that we might talk about today are a little bit challenging for people to um, first talk about and even to hear. So we really appreciate you, you and your willingness to do that. Um, what what sort of got you, you know, to give a little background? Can you share with our listeners, you know, how you became a widow and and why you've decided to share that story with the world? Oh wow, yeah, that's um, that's big. Okay, so let's just dive right in. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, uh, and it is interesting. I've, I've started this podcast, um, Another Beautiful Life, for the purpose of getting the story out there. Um, but it's it's not an easy one to tell because it comes with um, it comes with like we were talking about before we started recording. It's just the vulnerability, the the uh, um, the choice to say, you know, I've had the struggle in my life. Um, there were problems, there were issues, and then here are the results. And then now this is where I'm, I'm going with this. And to, to be able to say, you know, all that, like, look, I'm not, I'm not superhuman. I'd love for you to think that I am, but I'm not, you know, falling apart over here. Those those are, um, those are real things. And so, um, just to tell you why first I decided to do that is because I, I do believe that there are more people like myself that are struggling through things and they're not, they don't feel the freedom to say, I'm drowning. I, I need help. I am, I can't do this anymore. And, um, you know, and then to be able to figure out, uh, have someone come alongside them and support them and help them to figure out how to get out of that pit, out of that hole. Um, and, you know, we all need to do this together. I know there's been a, a huge emphasis lately of uh, mental health. We've been at, when we, we've been a little bit bolder about talking about that, a little bit more open about talking about depression and suicide, anxiety, panic attacks, all that. Um, and so I'm so grateful for that conversation, but I also found myself in a position where my, my husband took his life. And I had a real hard time saying that to the public. I, I would talk about him, he, you know, he died, his death, he died, he died, he died, but I never said he took his life. And that is because I believe there is such a stigma that comes with suicide. And, um, and, and there's so many questions and there's just so many non-answers. We just don't have answers. Um, and, uh, and then there's blame and then there's guilt, there's self guilt. There's just, there's just so much that goes along with it. Um, that it was something that it was difficult for me to say, my husband died of suicide. Yeah. Um, and so I, I feel like it's just like, you know, we just need to rip the bandaid off of it. And we just need to just say, Hey, this is real because my husband's not the only one that died by suicide. There are many, many others, and especially through this pandemic, we have heard of so many adults and children alike that have, have taken their life because of the stressors and, um, and the isolation and the, um, you know, just in the family situations, you know, uh, and there's just so many different dynamics that have happened here. So, uh, you know, I, I just, I want to be a voice to say, you're not alone. <laughs> 
Yeah. You're not alone. You're not alone in your struggle. You're not alone. Even as one who has suicide ideation, you're not alone. And there are people that care about you. I also want to be a voice for the, for the, the survivor of suicide to say, you, you know, you're not alone and, and you can do this and you can, and it's going to be baby steps and you're going to take five steps backwards and two steps forward, but you can do this and you can continue moving forward. Um, I want to also have someone that would, would hear that had suicide ideation would hear what it is like for a survivor to talk about what has happened after their, their loved one has died. Um, and not for guilt. Um, but because I, I believe that there are so many elements that come with that. We, we are born with a natural desire to live, right? right. There yep. is inside of us, we have a will to live. That's what God has given in us is to fight for life. And there is something that overcomes when somebody at, is able to make the decision to end their life. So something has happened there. So there's so many dynamics of it. And I just, I, you know, I want to explore it. There's not a lot that I understand about it. Um, and I don't think you understand unless you're in the situation and we can't ask you if you've already been in the situation. So, you know, there's just so many different questions, but I want to just rip the, the bandaid off and, and pull back the veil and just say, Hey, let's talk about this and let's talk about the hard stuff. Um, <clears throat> so going back to how did, how did we get there? My husband in uh, 2012 began experiencing debil debilitating pain in his lower back. Um, and it, it started out off as something that was just an irritant, something that he could manage, you know, and he would just go through the day and take Advil when he needed to, you know, and just rest when he needed to. But then it just began to progress and progress. And um, for five years, we, because it was so, difficult we would go to the neurologist we would go to um you know the the back surgeon we we were looking for any answers we could chiropractors the physical therapy any answer we could find we were we were looking for it and um he ended up going to this this surgeon and and he said uh, you know i can fuse a couple of those discs he said I, i'm not quite sure that's actually going to solve your problem but you know with with surgery, back surgery, there's typically always a 50-50 chance that we'll take this chance. If you're willing to do it, I'll do the surgery. So he did the surgery and you're always told, you know, you need to wait about six months for that swelling to go down for the inflammation and just to find out if you've had, if, if it's been a successful surgery. And so we would do that for six months. We would kind of wait and hold our breath and, and find out if that surgery had worked. And the first surgery did not alleviate the pain. Mm. So then we would spend the next six months trying to figure out what the answer is. Okay, more PT, um, ac acupuncture, more what, whatever it was. Um, and then when we get down to the end of the road, it's just like, okay, well, you know, the doctor does another, you know, MRIs, CAT scans, everything that he can do to look and says, okay, well, there's a bone spur that's grown. Well, let's go in there and take the bone spur out. And while we're there, why don't we just remove that old cage and we'll put in a new cage? I mean, it's just like every, 
Mm. Every surgery was just more and more extensive. And then with each one, he was left even in a worse position than he was before. So we did this for five years and five major surgeries. And finally he got to the end of the road and the doctor said, the last one was they fused um, his last disc to his sacrum. Mm. Which is huge. I mean, that's just, just huge. I right. mean, so now he's pretty much stiff. So he got to a place where he could not have, he could not sit down for very long. Um, and he owned his own business, worked out of the house. I mean, thank God that was just such a gift. And uh, because when he did not feel well, he could just lay down. He couldn't stand up for a long time because that's tiring. And he couldn't sit because the pain was so bad. So he was laying down prostate prostrate a, a lot and that was that kind of became his life and he was a man full of life and joy and hope and and gratitude and he just had so much light about him and and everybody that met him felt like they were his best friend he made everyone feel that way so here he is this this man full of life full of light and now he is laying down the majority of his day. And I remember one day he came to me and he said, I, I don't think, I don't think I'm going to last much longer. I don't mm -hmm. think a man who is, I, you know, is wasting away on a couch can actually thrive. I, I don't think I'll be around much longer. And I just, I know that that just, that took me back. Mm -hmm. And I just, and I was like, no, I, that's, that's not true. But I, I look back at it now and he was, he felt like he was a shell of the man that he used to be. Right. He was wasting away and then he had lost his hope. Mm. And one day he woke up and, um, you know, he had already had this, this back pain and that reverberated all the way down his legs to his feet even. And it was constant pain, constant chronic pain, not pain you cannot get away from. Um, and he was also a man that wouldn't take painkillers. I mean, Advil is what he would take, but he would not take painkillers. Um, just didn't, he was afraid of, of that. He didn't want to get tied up in that. So he wouldn't, he wouldn't do that. Um, and so one day he woke up and he had, uh, he and I both had, when I, I told him, I said, it's a virus because my daughter had it, but we had pain from the top of our head, all the way back to our, you know, in the shoulders. I don't know if you've ever had a virus like that. It's just like, it just consumes you and so much pain. So I, I remember that morning, I was like, you, you need to, you need to take this medication. It's, you know, it's, it's just a virus. We're going to be okay. I've got it too. I've got to go to work. And, um, and I think that day it was just too much for him. The pain was too mm. much because it was from the top of his head now to the bottom of his toes. And, um, and, you know, I've talked a lot about neuroplasticity, about mm -hmm. the way the brain changes, um, with what the patterns of thinking that we have, um, what we believe, um, our rhetoric that we tell ourselves, yep. the words that we are uh, speaking over and over again has a, a an effect on our brain. Neurologically, our brain can change. Neuroplasticity means that our brain can change and it's happening all the time. Um, so it can either change 
in positive ways or it can change in negative ways. And I think if you get into that negative pattern of thinking, it is overcoming, it's yeah. overwhelming, and it is the rhetoric that you hear. You don't hear anything else. And so um, and I believe he, he got there that day. Yeah. Wow, that's, that is some, you know, really, truly, we really appreciate you, your willingness to share this really tough stuff. But you said a few things that really touched me. You know, you said that people are, we come and we fight, we want to fight for life. And I, I honestly believe that I think sometimes people, and currently, I think a lot of people are not living life, they're just going through the motions, and they're not really living life. Um, you know, Jason and I work very hard to live life and do the things that we want to do. Um, I think it's amazing that you've turned something that could be so tragic into something that you're, you're wanting to bring more light and hope and positivity to the world that should be commended. So, you know, really, Tricia, thank you so much for sharing these tough things. Um, but I think the few ways that we can overcome this, overcome them is by talking about them and helping other people through these. Um, yeah. So, um, how, I just, I, it's hard for me to understand how somebody who went through this got to a point where they wanted to talk about it because it's hard. So how did you, how did you get there? You know, I'm, I'm sure there's been days where you're like, I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> Um, but how did you get to a point where you wanted to share this to the world? Well, um, it is interesting. I am, I'm a, a big journaler. I have been journaling um, for many, many years. I've got, I've got stacks and stacks of journals. <laughs> um, and so the, the things that I was experiencing through those, especially through those five years, um, my way of handling it was to journal through it. Um, and to express my, um, my sorrow and my concerns and my desires for the future and my longings and, and my disappointments and all of that, um, to get that out. I believe it's very cathartic. I think we need to get it out. If it's not verbally, we need to get it out on paper. I think it's really, really important. But journaling for me was, was my outlet. And it also began a lot of times I would start journaling with a a cry of desperation and yeah. uh, and I am a woman of faith so my cry of desperation was to my creator to say you made me you know me you know my heart you know my head you know what I need you know where I need to go you know it all and so I need you to meet me here in this moment and by the time you know that I would finish journaling it was it would end up in hope so, you know, here I was with this desperate, desperate situation, and yet I can actually walk away with hope. So that's supernatural. That's just like not something that happens in the natural. That is supernatural. So I found the more that I did that, the more I had um, that, uh, the ability to get up and go and do the next thing um, and wake up the next morning and do the next thing. And so um, then when he, after he passed away, my journaling kind of, um, um, I mean, it looks a lot different now because before yeah. it was, 
it was almost like, um, I've got this hope, I've got this hope. And then all of a sudden it's like, I had no more hope. I'm done. You know, I'm out of hope. I've, I've lost my husband. This is tragic. This is not how it's supposed to be. And, um, and, and then through that, continuing to journal um, helped me process through all that grief. Um, now, why I choose to talk about it, um, I found myself in a crisis of faith, really just, you know, being in a place where I might as well have died with him right there beside him. I mean, I'm, I'm done. You know, I, I don't have anything, all the hopes and the dreams that we had planned together uh, with our, you know, with our children, we had so many, we would, uh, and not every family's like this, but as a, as a, a couple, we wanted to do this, we would set aside money and this would be money that would be, we would take our future adult children and their children on vacations. Like this yes. is how we <laughs> wanted to spend our time together. We love yeah. being with family super important so all of a sudden now all those dreams are gone you know and um and 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 so so many longings within me died that day that he that he died um and then I was you know when talking to the Lord about oh my gosh I'm just I, I have nothing I'm I I am nothing I have nothing I'm, I'm my life is done I'm over I really felt like he was saying to me, no, Trisha, you can have another beautiful life, which is the name of my podcast. Mm, because I was looking at all the beautiful things that I had experienced with my family, with my children growing up. And we were just such a family that loved to do things together and vacation together. And oh, we just got so many beautiful memories of family together. And it's just like, if we're not a family unit, if we're not that any longer, what are we? And it was, it's such a beautiful, beautiful life. And God said, no, you can have another beautiful life. You can, as you move forward, it will look different. Um, it won't be maybe even what you desired or the longings that you had before, but it can be beautiful and it can be good. And, um, and so I, when, when I heard that, I was just like, oh, okay, yes, that is a, that's a, that's a different way of thinking. And if I don't get on that train of thought, I'm going down. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going down. Yeah. And, and I also think it's the, it's the, um, I think it's the tactic of the enemy to bring me down along with him. You know, yep. he, um, the enemy put these horrible thoughts in my husband's head yep. and he believed them and acted out of them. Yep. And that's exactly what was happening to me. It's like, you're done. You're done. You have nothing more. You have nothing more to live for. There is nothing more. You, you, you might as well just do exactly what your, your husband did because there's nothing more for you. And I remember thinking, well, I think he's right. I, th I think those, I think those things are right. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> oh no, no, no. You have life ahead of you and a lot of life and adventure and passion and, uh, you know, possibilities and opportunities. And there's just, there's just, it's different. It's just going to be different. And that's all, but it's going to be full and it's going to be beautiful. And there's hope 
on the other side of this. And so when I started believing that rhetoric is when my whole life turned around. And so why I feel like I need to share this is again, I believe so many people and you, you don't have to have had lost a loved one to, to have the, the feelings that I, that I feel. I, I, I have a dear friend that is in a very, very difficult marriage and she feels alone all the time. Mm-hmm. So I feel alone, you know, uh, I, I, I am here alone in, you know, I, I don't have a spouse any longer, but um, so I, I go through um, holidays alone. I mean, I have my, my children, Fortunately, my children are so beautiful and they're, and they're just so, such a gift to me, but you know, for 30 years, I've had a spouse. Yeah. Right. right. Everything I did revolved around being a couple. And now I'm all, I'm trying to figure out how to do that and live life, you know, but so there are people in all kinds of different scenarios that are feeling, experiencing the same thing I am. And I just, I just want to tell you if, if I can, if I can do this and I can have hope for tomorrow and, and have hope that there are beautiful things for tomorrow and that they're being laid out before me one step at a time, then you can have hope too. You can move forward, that there is life ahead of you, that there are opportunities and beautiful things ahead of you. And they may not look like what you expected them to be before, but if you open up your heart to them and your mind to them, it's, it will blow you away. Um, you will see things that you've never seen before. You will recognize things that you've never, never recognized or had to recognize before. Like just, um, I mean, things like friendships have, my perspective on friendships have changed. My perspective of, you know, waking up this morning and like I said, it was like, it was foggy here, but I want to see the creation of God. I want to see the the sunrise. I want to see how it glistens on the dew of the grass. I want to, you know, I, I want to soak up the beauty of the world. Whereas before I, I didn't really have that desperation, didn't have that perspective. I, w- I was chasing after other things, was doing other, was occupied with other things. But now there is such a beauty in my life that um, that has come from this that that I think sometimes you, I feel privileged to have because of the things and the places where I've walked um, that I wouldn't have had before. Oh man, Tricia, thank you. There, there's been so many awesome nuggets that I'd love to, to talk about. Um, and one of those that, that you brought up that kind of ringed in my ears was the identity thing, because I think oftentimes we label ourselves with these other things, right? And we're not that thing, you know, you are Tricia, I'm Jason, that's Shane, right? Like we're not these other things. And I really like that, how you, how you talked about that, because I, I think so many times we label ourselves with IMs is what I call them. We say I am whatever. And that becomes our identity, our reality. And so you have to be cautious as to what you identify with. Um, but I, I really like that. The other thing that I, that I, that you brought up that I, that I kind of want to uh, pick your brain on as well is neuroplasticity, because I've been, researching neuroplasticity for a a while now. Um, and, and I totally 
believe in, you know, that we are constantly evolving. We're, we are what we tell ourselves every day. Right. Um, that's why we have affirmations and things like that to, to change that neuroplasticity in our mind. Um, so, so what, just in a, maybe a continuing conversation on neuroplasticity, cause I love that subject. Yes. I think it's amazing. Um, so, so what other things have you learned about neuroplasticity and how our brains are constantly evolving into the, to the things we tell ourselves? I, I wish, oh gosh, I wish I was a whole lot smarter than I am. And I, and I, <laughs> and I wish I was a psychiatrist or, you know, I, but I am not. So let's just get that, that <laughs> there right now. Um, but w- what kind of threw me on that track of, of trying to, to figure out um, about our brain is, you know, I, I couldn't understand with my husband's suicide. I could not understand how this man um, you know, when I met him, he was big man on campus. I mean, everybody loved Brian. Everybody wanted to be Brian's friends. He was bigger than life. He was the president of his fraternity. He was everybody's friend. I mean, he just, he was, he exuded life. He had such a grateful heart. He would, he just had so much gratitude, uh, for life and just for all the things that he had had and experienced. And I could not figure out for the life of me how someone like that could be taken down. Right. And so I, you know, started asking questions and I would, I would hear things like, um, you know, especially with, with suicide, um, there is, there is a change that goes on in the brain and, and, you know, I was told even by my oldest son, mom, he just, he wasn't thinking straight. He wasn't himself anymore. The brain changes. And I thought, well, I just, you know, I, I know I grew up, um, I grew up reading uh, the Bible and the Bible tells us, be careful about what you say, uh, be careful about what you believe, think upon things that are, you know, right and lovely and honorable and excellent. Think about those things. And there's a reason why it's telling us that is because we can have a tendency about, to think about other things. So there's so many things that, that tell us in so many places, not just um, psychologically or in scriptures, but tell us that, you know, change your mind, change the way that you think. Um, so as I'm I'm thinking about that, putting all the puzzle pieces together, um, I started just doing some research on, you know, how does the brain change? Does the brain change? Does, you know, um, how, and, and then came upon neuroplasticity. Um, and of course, neuro meaning the brain and plastic, meaning change, molding, um, then understanding that that is um, in the rudimentary stages of our life and our childhood, that happens most rapidly. Then again, in the teenage years, it happens again, but it is something that is constantly happening um, to us. And so um, when I started just, I, I just deep, dove into the internet, you know, what that happened, how that happened. <laughs> Get in there yeah. and, it out. <laughs> um, and so I just, I, you know, I started listening to people who were psychiatrists and psychologists, um, started reading white papers and um, just, and again, I would love to have more time 
to continue sure. study. I just am so fascinated by it. But one of the things that I've come out with, um, and this is this is a uh, you know a psychologist. If you were to sit on a psychologist's couch, this is what they would tell you about um, a process in order to understand yourself and your brain and the way that you think is that the things that you believe affects the way you feel mm-hmm. and the way you feel influences your thoughts and your thoughts influence the way you act and the way you act produces results, positive or negative, right? Right. So for me, the way that we can, on a daily basis, we can change our minds um, and, and is by going through this process. And I literally have it, you know, like I'll take a, a sheet of paper and I'll put believe, feelings, thoughts, uh, believe, I'm sorry, believe, thoughts, feelings, actions, results. I may have switched that up before, but with the way you believe influences the way you think, which influences your feelings. So what I might do is literally think about, you know, if I'm having a situation, I'll give you a really great, this is a, this is a real <laughs> life situation. Okay. You ready for this one? Talk about being vulnerable right here on your podcast. So my birthday <laughs> was last week. Um, a friend called me and said, now, you know, bless her. Uh, a friend called and said, I'd like to throw you a birthday party. Um, I immediately started crying on the phone. And that took me by surprise. Like, why did I do that? Why did I start crying? Um, And I was like, no, 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 no. We can't do that. No, absolutely not. And she said, Trisha, I just, you know, I love you. And I just want to bless you. And there are other people that love you. And we want to be around you. And and we want to do this. Like, no, 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 no. I don't want that. I don't, you know. And anyway, after several moments of conversation, she said, so what's really going on? And I really had to stop and think about that for a bit. Um, And I realized that I had not had a birthday party since I was a little girl. Mm. Um, And just situations in my growing up family, you know, we, I grew up in a, in a wonderful family. Um, but we're all dysfunctional a little bit, right? Right. <laughs> all got stuff. And, um, there was just not a real emphasis on celebrating people on their birthdays. And then when I got married, um, my husband's birthday was the day after mine. And so, um, he, he never wanted to celebrate birthdays. They didn't celebrate birthdays in his house. So that was not a big deal to him. So, and I kept trying to tell him, you know, just because it's not a big deal to you, doesn't mean it's not a big deal to somebody else. Right. Right. Um, but what would end up happening was we would celebrate our birthdays together. And so it would just be the two of us and then family and that sort of thing. But we, I never had a birthday party as an adult either. So when my friend said this, it was just like this panic of, you know, I I can't do that, but why can't I do that? And I, and what I realized was that I was thinking, my first thought was no one's going to come. Nobody would want to come. Why would they, why would they spend their time? Why would they 
you know, waste their time coming. <laughs> Why would they right. make that effort to come to my birthday party? So that no one's going to come. They're too busy. They got too many things to do. There are other things to do. They're not going to put me as priority. I'm not that important. And I thought I was just like, I'm blown away by my thought process. Right. And, you know, of course, you know, when you're, when you're a widow, everything gets blown out of proportion, just like everything becomes bigger than it really is. So I'm realizing, okay, something's going on here. So I get out my piece of paper and I'm really thinking, okay, I write down believe thoughts, feelings, actions, results. Okay. So what am I thinking? Well, I'm thinking that no one's going to come to my party because I'm not important enough. Okay. And they're not going to come to my party. They don't want to come to my party. They don't want it. They don't want to celebrate me. They don't want to come. So then it was like feelings. Well, I know how I'm feeling, feeling sad. I'm also feeling scared, but I'm feeling alone and I'm feeling isolated and I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling, I have all these feelings. Um, and how am I acting? Well, I'm acting like, don't do that. Don't, I'm going to push you away. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, keep you at arm's length. I'm going to keep you from doing that. Don't do that. Um, the results are that I don't have a party. I don't have people celebrating me. I don't let that happen. And then now I'm pushing other people away. I'm feeling, um, now I might feel um, in a way that is like gonna make our relationship fractured because now I'm feeling like you don't really love me. You don't really care about me. So now maybe you're not really my friend. So now, you know, I'm gonna pull away from you. So these are all the results. And that had, so all the blanks were filled in except for believe, the very first one. So Trisha, what are you believing? Well, I'm believing that I'm not valuable or worthy enough, that I'm not loved, um, that nobody really cares about me, that they might like me for other reasons. Like, you know, they might be, I don't know, they might like me for other reasons, but they don't really like me. They like, they like knowing that they're my friend or they like to say they're my friend or that we're friends, but they don't really like me. And so oh, when I found that out, I was like, oh my gosh, is that true? And that's what we need to do is go back to say, is that truth? Right. And then if you decide, if you are now believing a lie, you need to turn that to the truth and you need to find out what the truth is. So then I put a big fat line in the middle and I do it all over again, belief, thoughts, feelings, actions, results. And then I start at the very top and I say, what is that belief that I need to change? And the belief that is I am loved. I am lovable. I am lovable and valuable simply because I exist. I mean, the creator of the universe decided to create me. And when he was putting me together in my mother's womb, he made me exactly like I am. And he said, it's good. Yeah. And he likes me this way. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, he does. He likes me this way, <laughs> right. So I'm valuable, period. Just out the gate, I'm valuable and loved. Now, what do I, what do I think about that is like, wow, well, I mean, I'm worth celebrating. Mm -hmm. I yep. am worth celebrating. I'm worth even me celebrating me. <laughs> and I'm worth allowing people to celebrate me. I love to celebrate other people. And I tell them all the time, I celebrate your life and your birth with all the angels and all the heavenly 
beings, I celebrate you. I want to celebrate you. You're worthy. Your friendship is a gift to me. So even on your birthday, you're a gift to me. So now why can't I let someone else do that for me? So now my thought process, yes, I am worthy to be celebrated. I will allow people to celebrate me. So then how do I feel? Oh my gosh, I feel joyful. I feel joyful and I feel so much love. They're not even at my party yet. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm already feeling love. And it's because I feel love for myself first. And then I can receive love. I feel love from my heavenly father. I feel love for myself. And now I'm open to receive love for, for somebody else. When we refuse to receive love from other people, then we are, we are refusing that we are rejecting um, that love. Then we've decided that we're not good enough, that we don't deserve it. Um, and it does, it does do a number on us. Um, so then, you know, how do I feel joyful regardless of what happens with my party? How do I act? I act like you ought to come to this party. <laughs> That's how it ought to be. And if you don't, you're missing out. Yeah. yeah. You are missing out. But I also want to tell you, if you don't come to my party, I love you. Right. I love you. And I and I will continue to love you. And I will not reject you. And I will not allow a fraction to come between our relationship. And I will embrace you. And you know, maybe there are reasons why you don't come just that are personal reasons. Maybe there's other instances you've got to go out of town or whatever it is, whatever that is, the results are that I feel good about me. I allow this party to happen. And I do have to tell you more people came than I expected because I was like, oh, she won't come because she's going to go out of town and she won't come because she just didn't, you know, she didn't have me as a priority. And they showed up. And one of the things that happened was, and it just happened spontaneously, they went around the table and they, they said how they knew, knew me, where they found, where where they found me, where I found them, how we got connected, but also how, what they treasured about me and what they loved Mm -hmm. about me. And at first I was like, I felt myself doing this. No, 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 no. Don't say it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't talk about it. Don't do it. And then I was like, wait, and I remembered, no, I am worthy to be celebrated. Just as much as I want to celebrate them, I am worthy. So is everyone else around that table. We are all worthy to be celebrated. And I just was able to relax and let it happen and let it flow and let it come in. And it, I just was giddy. I was like a little girl. One of my, <laughs> one of my friends um, so one of the other girls brought a cake and the waiter brought it with a candle in it. And they all started singing, singing happy birthday to me. And one of my friends videotaped me. And I promise you, I was sitting there clapping <laughs> at myself. I was giddy. And it, it made me think, oh my gosh, I have missed this for so long Yeah, to be celebrated and to be loved. And this is what it's like. And I received that. I absolutely receive that and so the neuro so i tell you that story because i this this process of figuring even if you can't figure out what you believe or what you think you can figure out what you feel right you you can figure out how you're acting 
because your actions are going to absolutely, absolutely be a reflection of what you're thinking and believing. So somewhere you can start and fill in that blank somewhere, and then you just back it up and you back it up until you figure out what you're believing. And then you just change it. You change it with truth. And if you don't know truth, if you don't know what that truth is, I would say one, you need to go to the word of God and God and the word of God is going to tell you the truth. Okay. But you can also ask your friends, tell me what yeah. truth is. Tell me, this is what I'm believing. Tell me what the truth is. Go to a psychologist, a psychiatrist, talk to them about it. I'm such a proponent for that. I believe everybody needs therapy. And so I think, you know, if we just go back and say, I, I need some help finding out what the truth is. I cannot live. Do not, please, my friends, do not live in lie-based beliefs anymore. Do not live there any longer. It will destroy your life and destroy an opportunity for another beautiful life to walk out of whatever situation that you're in. And it might be a small circumstance that you're in that's just seasonal right now. Maybe you have a child that's being rebellious or you're, you've lost your job or um, you, you know, whatever it might be that you're walking through, maybe it's just seasonal, but you've got to get out to, on the other side of that. And when you do, there is something beautiful on the other side, and it has everything to do with what you're believing will determine what those results are on the other side. That's, That's awesome. Great. It sounds like we missed a great birthday party. So happy belated yeah. birthday. And <laughs> uh, we would have celebrated you, but we weren't invited. <laughs> oh, well, shoot. I, yeah. know. I, I would have known. We would yep. have taken you in. You're a little far, but right. <laughs> yeah. that would have been fun. <laughs> you, you made a point that you're not a therapist or a psychologist or this or that. And I'm not downplaying their role in, in what they do. I think they do fantastic. Trisha, you are you and you're giving light to the world and hope and all of those things. And to me, that means so much, you know, don't lose that. Even though you're not those other things, because yeah. we talked about this a little bit, keep being you and keep bringing that light to the world. We need a lot more of it. So um, keep doing that. So we, we've come to a point where we, Jason and I have called this the Double down dose. dose. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> so okay. Jason, Jason has a question for you and then I'll ask a question. So obviously our, our podcast is called sprinkle with hope. And so we like to sprinkle hope on just every subject <laughs> that we talk about. Um, but, you know, we like to ask our guests, what, what does hope mean to you? And what would you say about hope? What, like, what is that? What does that mean to Tricia? Wow. Well, first, I think the first thing that comes to mind is that um, I think hope is is within us. It's kind of like when I said before is that we fight for life. We have an innate fight for life. I think we actually have an innate fight for hope because I think that's part of it. I, I think those two things are connected. So we're built and created with this with this drive for hope. We want to be hopeful, but also to hope for something means uh, right, that we have not yet received it, right? Because you don't need to hope for something you already have. I don't mm -hmm. hope for a daughter, I have one, right? <laughs> right. Um, so that means that we're hoping for something that's in the future, something that's unseen, something that's right now out of our grasp. So that is something that we are looking forward to. And so I believe that we all have that within us. 
and within our passions, whatever uh, giftings God has given us, um, it drives that hope. You know, if I if I'm a worship leader, I I hope that I get another opportunity to lead people in worship. I hope that that opportunity brings other people, um, an, you know, a, a place where they feel loved and cared for and and, uh, and know the presence of God. Um, as a speaker, I hope that if the things that I say resonate with others and bring healing and hope and open blind eyes and, and bring sad to the heart. So there's all these things that you hope for and we can always move toward that, that hope. Um, so I think it's something within us, but it's also, I think it's something outside of us as well. So um, the, the part that's inside of us keeps us going towards hope. And I, I, again, I do believe that's innate. I believe that's how we are created is to hope for something. So I think it's natural. It's when you get those other things, like the things that my husband has deal, dealt with, like chronic pain, that starts messing with that hope and makes you feel yeah. less. Um, but I think it's a persistent hope in something. So say if it's, even if it's your, um, a, a talent or a hobby or something that you have passion for, it's a persistent hope and that I'm going to get there. And if you're, if you're going to say you, um, uh, I don't know, you like scuba diving, <laughs> you know, I, I hope I get to go to, uh, scuba diving. Well, you can't, you can't go scuba diving if you don't plan a trip to go scuba diving. Right? right, and you certainly can't scuba dive if you haven't gotten your training, right? So there's so many, and you can't scuba dive if you've not um, got a full tank of oxygen and, and, and good equipment. I mean, there's so many things, right? That, that I can't, I can hope for this, but I can't get there unless I do these steps and I take that, that next plunge even, or, or a step of a leap of faith for something um, to get to that hope. Um, so I think that's the inner part, um, uh, of hope, but I also believe that there's a, an external hope, uh, big picture faith, hope that we have an eternal destination with a God where there is no more tears, no more pain, no more disease, no more chronic pain, um, no more depression, no more anxiety, that there is a place and a promise that is eternal hope that's laid up for us. And I, I believe that is what drives all of us as created beings from the one creator as that drives us forward. Um, I'm also reminded that he, he made this beautiful world. He made all the beautiful things in it and wants us to enjoy them. He put the, us on this earth to enjoy these things. And so it's good to enjoy uh, scuba diving or you know a trip somewhere or, or whatever. It's beautiful. And so we can have, we can have hope because it's laid up for us. Um, so it is something that is there. We can strive for it. We are we are created with it, but it also means that we need to move forward towards it. Oh, that's beautiful stuff. <laughs> so the second part of Double Down Dose is, how would you define love? Oh, <laughs> love, I'll just tell you straight up. Love is a decision. Love is a decision. Gary Smalley wrote the book, with that very title, love is a decision. And what I've decided is that love is, it is not a, 
uh, and I think it's the age old um, question, right? Debate, is love uh, an emotion? Is it a feeling or is it something deeper than that? I really believe that it is a, it is a decision every single day. Um, and I have that experience with my husband. We were married um, probably seven years. You know, they say that seventh year. Yeah, it's kind of iffy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so we were married seven years. And, and I remember um, we were going through some really, really tough stuff. And, um, and, and our faith walk wasn't really strong at that point either. Um, and we had little toddlers and, oh my gosh, we had three children, you know, under the age of four. And so it was just like crazy, um, all the time. Um, and I remember thinking, you know what, I just didn't sign up for this. And, um, and a friend handed me that book and it changed my world. And, and because the premise is that, to decide to love is a permanent thing as long as you decide to love, right? Yeah. If love is a feeling, then it's only a temporary thing. Because I might get up one day and just, I don't, I don't really like the way you brush your teeth. Or I didn't, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not feeling really love here, you know? I, yeah. I'm feeling, how am I feeling today? Um, but if I, if I wake up every morning, I decide I'm going to love. And, and then I'm talking about now in a, in a romantic kind of situation. I mean, in that there is so much self-sacrifice, but it's also in friendship love, you know, and other kinds of, of love is that, you know, there, there is a self-sacrifice to it. Um, in the romantic sense, you know, it's like when my husband would decide to watch a chick flick instead of going to watch <laughs> the night with the guys. I mean, that, that was sacrificial love, right. For him, because he, he, really enjoyed chick flicks he wanted the war movies you know and all that and me i would watch war movies with him which i hate but i would watch <laughs> them because that's what made him happy and he wanted me to be there with him and so i would sacrifice what i wanted so it really is getting outside of yourself and seeing what the needs and desires um of someone else and and doing that it's like the dad that decides to play um who doesn't like to play board games and decides to play them for hours with their ch his children. That's sacrificial love. You know, there's so many opportunities for us to sacrifice, but we are innately, again, in our human nature, we are selfish beings and we want things the way we want them. We want things to go the way we want them to go. But love really means that we choose someone else and we defer to someone else and we put their needs and their desires first before us. Um, but I also believe that we can't do that unless we have received love. Mm -hmm. And so I have experienced in my life because I was very selfish in our marriage early on. I had expectations of him and he, if he didn't meet those expectations, then I didn't feel loved. You know, I didn't right. feel love. What I realized about myself was I had insecurities I had issues, I had, you know, things from my past, from my growing up years, from, um, you know, just being raised and parents who were trying to do their very best, but just messed up sometimes, you know, and, <laughs> right. I, and I had my stuff. And so I was very selfish in the things that I wanted. <clears throat> and we started doing this tit for tat thing. Well, you did this and now I get to do that. You went out with the guys, well, I'm going to go out with the girls or you, you know, you didn't do this. Or I'm not going to do that. And it took a toll on our marriage big time. And when I understood that love was a decision at that sacrificial love, and that was something that I was going to do, it, it was as if I understood the love of the father for me. Like he, he loves me. 
he loves me unconditionally. Oh my gosh, I'm an absolute mess and I mess up all the time. And, you know, and yet he still loves me. And if I can receive this love from him, then now I have love to give to somewhere else, someone else. It's an outpouring and overflowing of what I'm just receiving from my heavenly father. So it was only then was I able to love him and be sacrificial in my love and really be sacrificial. Cause it's one thing to say, to be a martyr, that's completely different, right? Right. completely different, but to really love, to really be sacrificial in that love is to say, I, I really honestly, in my heart, really do want to be here and love you and do the things that, that you want to do first and defer to you first. And you can, I'm telling you, friends, you cannot do that on your own. It is not humanly possible. It is, comes from a different place of love to receive love, to be able to give love like that. So love is, you know, it is something that we wake up every day and say, there are new possibilities today. Just like I was saying, just in hope there's new possibilities. There's new opportunities every day. You get up and you decide for hope every day you get up and you decide for love. That's awesome. (laughs) Thank you so much for your insight, for your vulnerability, for all of your great things that you've shared with us. I've certainly learned some things. Uh, I'm excited to go back and listen to this. Um, but truly thank you so much, Tricia, for your time and uh, your willingness to share these sometimes difficult subjects. So we hope the best for you and thank you again so much. Thank you. Thank you both so much for having me and, and even, you know, feeling like I'm worthy to come on your podcast as a guest. Jason (laughs) and Shane, I'm just so grateful. Um, It's been a a privilege, really. I appreciate it. Yeah, we are. We are so happy that you joined us today and, and I, I appreciate your vulnerability. I, I think it takes a lot of courage to do that, uh, to be vulnerable. And so I, I appreciate you, you know, coming on and sharing such a personal story um, that we can all learn something from, I, I believe. And, and, you know, Trisha, you do have worth. You were born with worth. And I truly believe that as well as everybody listening has yeah. worth. And so if you haven't been told today, you know, you are worth it. You are worthy. You are loved. You are needed. And, you know, we love you, even though, you, you know, you may be far away from us or, or listening to the podcast or whatever. Me and Shane truly do send our love to, to you, Tricia, as well as everybody else listening. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Jason, I just, I want to, I want to like jump in on that. I I love your listeners. Okay. I love you. (laughs) So thank you. This is Sprinkled with Hope. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend. If you like our podcast, please give us a review or rating.